Welcome to today's episode of The Power of Reinvention. I'm Kathy Sharp Ross, and we're here to talk with my guests about the dreams, the visions, and the passions that individuals have every day and dare to explore them. Whether it's business or personal, you're entitled to live the life that you want, and no matter the circumstances, you have the power to create success, fulfill your dreams, and live with passion. That's what I'm talking about. So dare greatly and happy reinventing, folks. Let's do this. Welcome. I am Kathy Sharp Ross, your host, and I'm so excited for Liz Heller to be my guest today on my podcast, The Power of Reinvention. This conversation is going to touch on some really fun and interesting business and personal life-changing reinventions, the state of the industry, and just a really fabulous conversation between two very dear friends who've had the great opportunity to travel the world a little bit together and just really have bonded from the very first moment that we met. So I'm super excited to share Liz with you today. The show is inspired by my book, Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, which came out the week we were all asked to work and shelter at home a year ago, and thus was Born, my reinvention virtual chat series, which was sort of my anecdote to the traditional book tour, which I've been producing for the last year with over, I think we did 87 shows as of last week and some amazing interviews. And then I launched the podcast just at the beginning of this year. So I'm so glad to have you tuning in. I hope you'll enjoy today's show and walk away feeling inspired and with a new sense of what is possible so that you can reinvent some part of your life. So welcome, Liz. I am so glad to have you here. Thank you for having me. So much fun. Such a pleasure. I want to share a little bit about you with our audience. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to read a little of your bio to give a little context here. Liz is a tech and media innovator, entrepreneur, investor, and producer. With a career in cultural creation, global brand marketing, social good, Liz is a digital alchemist working at the nexus of tech, culture, brand, community, and purpose. She was recognized by USA Today as the godmother of the women's cyber movement in Hollywood. And Liz's award-winning career spans tech, entertainment, film, and music. She architected growth and engagement for clients such as Tom's, Product Red, and early-stage startups and projects such as Tim Kring's Conspiracy for Good. She's brought her brand marketing and strategic vision to companies and organizations ranging from Microsoft, Intel, Apple, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, to the LA Tech Council and LA Clean Energy Incubator. Her music career includes leadership roles at MCA, Island Records, and as an EVP of Capital Records at the time when music, audio, and the internet converged. She oversaw artist development and shaped industry-first issues for multimedia content around monetization, legal protection, strategic partnerships with tech and entertainment companies. Her producing credits include the feature film The Basketball Diaries, TV and concert films including New Orleans Live and the soundtrack for Goodwill Hunting. She's currently a managing partner at Membrane, where she leads teams in marketing, innovation, and creative strategic advisory and incubates and invests in early stage startup products. Liz is a lifelong connector of people, and that's an understatement, who is proud to call a global constellation of change agents and industry leaders her friends. 
committed to manifesting positive impact. Liz is a sought-after keynote speaker and moderator and produces and co-hosts weekly, private, and public industry webinars and conversation series around the world. And I am so honored to have you here to share a bit of yourself today. Thank you. Sure. So Liz, I just shared such an extraordinary and amazing and almost exhaustive uh, background about everything that you've ever done. And it's also true that I couldn't leave a single word out of it because it just speaks to the whole of who you are. And yet you just sort of glide through all of it with such grace and such calm and such zen. And, you know, it sounds so crazy, busy, and yet you always are so present in every conversation and everything that you do, and you never stop connecting the dots. You never start stop seeing the bigger picture and the vision. And I have to ask you, growing up here in LA, or I should say kind of Hollywood, because you definitely grew up in kind of like the heart of a Hollywood world, um, who was little Liz? Who was that little Liz at five, at 12, at 15? Did you have any idea where life was going to take you or what your vision was for what you wanted to do? Um, you know, I, I don't think so. But the other day I was thinking about the fact that when I was like that age, I was already playing office for sure. And with my brothers, we had rigged up all kinds of ways to transport messages along strings. And we had like petty cash receipts and we had, you know, ideas for meetings and, and things like that. So I guess I was always thinking about working and and, you know, what would that be like? And then I thought about something yesterday, and I really never talked about this in public recently until yesterday, but I'll bring it up. But my friend and I, after school, uh, we would have, a, we started a company. We were 15 years old. It was in a real company, just right. to be clear. Um, <laughs> and it was called You'll Be Hearing From Us, Inc., and I love that. what we, and, <laughs> I know we had shirts. I mean, we had, we had a whole, we had a whole thing happening and uh, alongside of whatever horrible sugar snacks we'd somehow found <laughs> in her family's uh, kitchen because my mother would never let us have any. Uh, and so we would, and we, I had wanted to go to boarding school with some, I'm uh, sorry, boarding school, girls school with some of my friends. I also wanted to go to boarding school. Mm. And my mother was very concerned about that because she was a very important feminist activist. She wanted right. me to be socialized alongside men. You know, she didn't want it to be something that was all about sort of I think what she perceived of as catty girls in, in a girl's school. Right. So she, she talked me out of going to girl's school. And so as a result of that, she uh, said, what would you like? And I said, well, of course, I want my own telephone. So I had the first princess phone. Uh, and then I was also the, one, the first person on the first day in Beverly Hills. And I always say, I grew up in 90210. Please don't hold it against right. me. <laughs> um, uh, I had the first uh, three-way calling. So my friend and I would stage these crazy oh phone calls God. between... <laughs> people who really didn't want to hear from each other anymore or who, and so, and so it would create these incredible conversations of insanity um, where one person, so we would call the person. So I'd call you, let's say you and your boyfriend just broke up and we knew it because we were right. in high school. And the way you got shares in our company was you gave us phone numbers to participate. Oh, and that's so, great. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm not really proud of it looking back on it, but it was a lot of fun at the time. Uh, we didn't really have any, we didn't mean any harm, but it was more just like the mischievous prank, pranking kind of things that you do, cruising by houses, making phony phone calls, you know, when you're like a kid. TP and we houses. would call the person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all, we weren't that bad. We all did that, that around that Beverly Hills, often. for sure. <laughs> exactly. But we would call somebody and we'd see if you were home. 
and we'd, and we'd hear that you were at home and then we'd hang up and we'd say, you'll be hearing from us. Kind of like the Wicked Witch, you know, the Wizard of Oz. And then we would call the other person, let's say it was a boy. And then we'd hear if he was home. And as soon as they were home, we'd quickly three-way conference. And then we would be in the middle holding the phone, giggling our butts off and hearing the two of the, and the, and the, and the girl or the boy, depending on who was the one that had been recently uh, broken up with would be so excited thinking the other person had called Call and that them. person would be like, what are you calling me for? <laughs> and then they would have this huge conversation or argument or whatever. And the two of us were sitting in the middle of it. So uh, I guess the fact that I started it as a company, I added the ink, I had merch, you know, I guess I thought about wow. I was going to have my own company of some kind. I don't know why. Which just such ingenuity <laughs> to even think that way, which is brilliant. But, but it's so interesting, isn't it, to look back and just sort of see those early bones, those those sort of like yeah. you know, the the imagination that you had. And you know, one of my chapters in my book, which is called "Reinvent Your Life: What Are You Waiting For?" is "Hello, Are You Still In There?" And I think right. one of the most beautiful things to do is later in life to sort of stop and just really think about that question, like. Who were you? What were you passionate about? Are you living your life with the passion and the vision and the dream that you thought you might? And so much comes into our world and our lives that evolves and grows and shapes who we are. But for those who perhaps aren't happy doing what they're doing, it's such a good question to ask. And so to say, well, what are my values? And what did I once care about before life kind of took over my life? Totally. And you wake up one day going, wait, what am I doing and who am I with and where am I at in my career? And am I really happy or am I just going for, along for the ride? And well, and, the, and the, that's absolutely, uh, we can ask, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 please oh, go ahead. I was going to say that that was, that's absolutely the sort of overriding under, you know, all, every aspect of what I've always been driven by. And, and I've, oh, and so a long time ago, I read this book. And it really never came back up again until your book came out, which was this idea of, of your values and understanding who you are as a brand. And many of the examples in the book, which was written by Robin Rocker, um, was all about how many women actually reinvent themselves as a brand constantly. Like Madonna was a great example of that in her day. She reinvented herself all the time. We, we see it all the time yeah. with amazing artists right now. Yeah. Um, uh, and so I, and so, but what, so for me, the value, the first value I had was I wanted to, was happiness and being happy. Mm. And I realized that many times when I strayed from that, uh, I found, or I, I didn't feel happy, but I didn't know why. And then I realized it's because I'm not happy. And so I would walk away from incredible opportunities in order to, or, or that other people told me were incredible opportunities, including a lawyer who once said to me, you got a lot of balls. Yeah. You know, you just walked away from a $5 million offer, you know, when I was 20 something. And I was like, yeah, but you know what? I'm not going to be happy. Yeah. Or other, other types of people who I probably would have been far wealthier with, but I felt that it wasn't going to make me happy. Or I realized in the process of it, I really wasn't happy. And to this day, when I start to recognize that again, I realize I've got to go back to it because it's the single most important value for me. And one of the things I realized when I read, you know, your book was, which shall reinvent. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I kind of had, you know, I've always been kind of a serial reinventor, yes. but that's because I am curious yes. and I think the values of being happy uh, are uh, for me is super important. So, you know, I, I think it has been the driving force of it. And um, even right now, in this crazy time that we're coming out of and thinking of and 
I've realized that there are a lot of things that I do that I enjoy, but they don't necessarily make me happy in the way that when you look at your time mm. and how you want to spend it. And so um, I'm actually going through a process. I was thinking about this the other day, and I think this is okay. And I think a lot of people don't realize this, which is it is okay to grieve the end of something. Mm. It is okay to grieve that like, hey, this job didn't really work out. This relationship didn't. It's not just about the loss of somebody, but it's the loss of something. Or you know what? I, I think this company isn't going to work. I've got to let it go. I've got to go do something else. And and in doing that, you actually allow yourself room for things that you might enjoy more that will make you happy. Exactly. And so going through, through that free, process- You free yourself up to allow those things to come in. Exactly. With the sense of control, because then you don't feel as victimized if you own that grief and own the value of being able to be okay with letting right. it go. And Absolutely. owning it and having control is really important to being able to move on and feeling like we have a sense of direction with what we want to do. I, lo- I love what you just said. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I think, it, you yeah. know, so that's, it's, it's a good thing to also be really kind of, you have to get down deep to really understand it. Like sometimes it doesn't happen right away either. So, you know, it takes a moment to really, whether it's meditating, writing, journaling, thinking, talking to your friends, your, your board of advisors, your best friends, whatever that is and listening and listening to it. And then uh, sort of aligning that with like, Oh, okay, I get it. You know, and we all have, especially women probably, you know, have trouble saying no. So yeah. we get involved in these situations and we mean well, and we have great intentions. And to us, it might be one more thing that we're doing, but to somebody else, it's absolutely everything. Then that puts a whole nother layer of pressure on it. So it's really breaking that down, try to figure out like what makes sense for and how to, and that doesn't mean just walk away tomorrow, you do the right thing, but you, you know, you recognize where you need to call it. And look, I just want to go back to something you were saying a moment ago, because I feel like there's so much in identifying and understanding our own personal brand. You were talking about, you know, famous people that we watch in the public eye reinvent their brand over and over again. But this is a conversation that applies to everyone. And you and I have done workshops and you do it on a regular basis and, you know, helping people understand how to build their own personal brand and question. I heard such an interview, interesting interview with Jay Shetty that he was doing on his podcast the other day. Love Jay Shetty. Oh, I mean, just such wisdom and just listening to his voice is just enough to just, you know, put you on another planet. But he was talking about this importance of not only identifying our values, but identifying the feelings that we want to have and the feelings that we want to eliminate so that when we're trying to sort of assess what's important to us, that we really kind of do that. And I I always talk to people about this sort of values and time study, but this notion of how we want to feel you know, and our self-worth and what we're afraid of and really understanding the feelings we do want to have in our lives, the feelings we don't want to have, the values that are important to us. And then, you know, I always ask people to do that extra measure and take that, you know, make those columns and then make a list of everywhere you're actually spending your time. And you'll see that your values and the time are not aligning at all. And that's part of the work. What else in that sort of building out and understanding your personal brand would you advise people take a closer look at? Is there something, some some other component? Um, yeah, to I that? think there's I think there's a lot of things. And one of my favorite ones is the way in which you introduce yourself. 
And, you know, uh, in, and, and there's been a couple of different great examples of this, but if you don't introduce yourself the way that you want to be introduced, somebody else will introduce you and it will unlikely, it will, you know, very likely be, I should say, not what you want to be introduced as. And so it's important to like figure out what it is. And so, and there's a wonderful, um, I hope it's coming out soon, this book by Clay Hebert, where he talks about, there's two things that happen with an introduction. One is that when you meet somebody, when you want one of two things to happen. You want somebody to say, that is so interesting. Tell me more, mm. right? Or you want someone to say, you know what? I have a friend, a parent, a kid, somebody who could really utilize what you do. May I refer you? May I connect you? Those are like your two main situations. I'm thinking more about personal brand and business yeah, maybe than yeah. trying to meet a guy you know, or a yeah. partner. No, but that's good. Um, that's very relevant. Yeah. And so what happens, because a lot of times you meet somebody and, 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 and he, he talks about this as a very real thing that happened to him with actually, funny enough, a mutual friend of ours. But he started in on, well, you know, so when I was in third grade, I thought I wanted to be this. And then I wanted to, by then the other person's like, is there someone else I'm supposed to be? Because they're not, you know, able to hear all that in the middle of, say, a party, right? So, or, or any situation like that. So what you really want to do is make it so concise that it reflects who you are and get somebody to say one of those two things. And you can, and you can alter the words. It's not like you have to use the same ones. You might be in different situations where you want to say something slightly different, but it says the same thing about who you are and what you want them to think about you. So that's, that's one thing. The other thing I think is important in personal brand is to kind of make sure you have time for yourself, right? For your space. Mm. And there's a couple of different people that I think have done great work on this. One of them is um, uh, um, a guy named Robin Twarma, who talks about this idea, but he talks about it doing it at five in the morning, which for me is unfortunately not possible. <laughs> not when we go to bed but, at one or two in the morning. Right? <laughs> exactly. I tried for a while, but as soon as I traveled someplace, I was like, yeah. oh, that was it. Um, but he talks about spending the first hour that you wake up is breaking, broken down into say three 20 minute segments. And the first segment and is, uh, and you have some different, also ideas like this in your book. So yeah. I don't want to say that no, there's no, just no, these but it's, ideas. it's all things, different things work for different people. Definitely. Yeah. And so the idea is this is the first 20 minutes you do something that gets your body going. It is not a workout. You're not trying to like do cardio for 20 minutes, but you want to get your body to a place where it is warmed up. That will give you energy throughout the day. Mm. Uh, that I believe 100%. Yep. Yep. And so you want to get yourself to the point of say a sweat, but not sweating. You just want to keep getting warmed up. The second 20 minutes, you go after something. And this is really important because it takes something off your mind that becomes a distraction to what you're doing all day long, which is something you need to do. Plan your kid's birthday party, plan a trip, plan some strategy thing that you just haven't been able to spend time on or whatever. And it makes you feel unsatisfied and unhappy and focused during the day. You keep thinking you're going to get to it, do the most difficult thing first. All those things are true. Um, And so in those 20 minutes, you tackle something, one Mm. single thing you can set a time or whatever. And in doing that, it also allows you to sort of feel like I took a chunk out of it. Like, and, and then you can think about accomplishment and a sense of accomplishment right. to your day. Um, and so I, I, and people are like, and they also feel great. Like I'm actually starting to plan something, whatever that thing is that you need to do, or and it can be work or personal. Um, but I find it really helps personal. And then the third part of it is that you do 20 minutes where you read or digest or listen to something not intended to be fictional in that sense, but that will be benefit you in your career, in your business, in your personal brand of what you want to be thinking and doing. 
by keeping you either abreast, but mostly ahead of the competition. So that you're at six in the morning, whatever time you're doing at seven, you're already reading something. Now there are people that have been up earlier than you in another city, but you I mean, but you're, you're already thinking about staying ahead and staying. And I find that for, 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 when you think about your personal brand and wanting to be able to answer questions before people ask, you know, sort of ask you them yeah. because you're already ahead, yeah. you know what's happening by spending that 20 minutes really just benefiting your brain. I mean, it can be a, it can yeah. be a brain optimization thing. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, and it's so like I what think Jim I, Quick I teaches us all, right? I mean, you know, he's the master of that and that whole morning yep. routine and setting yourself up for success, right? Like his mantra yeah. for how to, how to spend the early part of your day. You know, I mean, what he right. does in, in an hour, I'm like, wow, if I'm lucky if I get to all of that in a week, but it's, it's incredible. It brilliant. Yeah. But once you, with Jim's work too, once you start that's really a habit to, and then it leads you to really thinking, okay, I've got the mindset, I've got the motivation, you know what I mean? I, I, and I'm, I'm re- and there's, what did I just say? Mindset, motivation, methodology. That's the one where the 20 minutes can really help too. Right. Because a lot of people go, I want to do this and I'm passionate about it and I'm ready to do it, but I have no idea how to do it, mm. right? So it's the combination of those three. And then the last one, which I just think is a personal one that my uh, a coach that I once had taught me which is you put down the 10 things. There are 10 things that you want to do every week. Now, you don't have to do those 10 things every day. But so let's say exercise, you want to do it five times a week, right? Now, if you're only, if you're not doing any exercise, five times might be a lot in the beginning. So maybe you start with three, right? I want to meditate twice. I want to call my mother at least once a week. Because if I call my mother, she'll be so excited. And I, I'm not scheduling it, but I know it's a priority so that I don't feel bad at the end of the week. Right. Mm. So you do your 10, you put down Monday, Tuesday through You're Sunday. How me. many can times? You, can you keep going to the rest of the list, please? Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I'll show you my list for sure. Right. Um, and you and then at the end of the week, you look at it and you go, if I did all of those things, I got you know, oh, you know, I have four times a week. So that's you know, 90% of the exercise goal mm-hmm. I had or 80%. Mm-hmm. When you go through the whole thing. If you hit a number that's 80% or greater, you're gonna feel really great. Because you manage to keep what's important to you personally mixed with whatever mm. else you're doing. And that's a priority. And that's yeah. taking care of yourself. So yeah. I think that's one of the key things uh, that for personal brand as well. Love Just that. to really give yourself time to build your brand and, and to introduce yourself properly right. and to strategize it and to think about Jim's limitless potential and all of those things. Right. Well, and it's so interesting. And I talk a lot about this in my book and a lot of the conversations we have, the sense of entitlement, that it's so important that we realize that we are entitled to make the time for these things, that they are important to us. They are going to make us more successful in all these other realms of our lives and what we're trying to do. And so giving ourselves permission, it's the old adage, put your oxygen mask on first, which is really all about like you will show up as a better mother, a better partner, a better parent, a better, you know, and colleague, friend, anything, if you have a, if you're centered, if you have a sense of self and it just is, it serves everybody and everything in your life in such a better way. So that guilt that so many of us have, oh, I can't, I've got to take care of these people and those people and everything else in our lives that, you know, that that's in the past. That is, you know, I think. Absolutely. It and, really and, is. and it's something that we just went through right now where it did 
create a situation for a lot of people to really think through all of these issues. So hold on to the things that brought you that kind of peace and calm and joy and prioritization. And wow, what a gift I got to spend with my child, parent, husband, partner, business focus, whatever that is, because nobody expected it to happen, certainly not for the length of time that it happened and try to keep it. You yeah. know what I mean? Before it get not, and maybe you can't keep all of it because you have to travel again or drive in some horrible traffic right. again or whatever, but try to keep that sense of like, wow, this was really magical. What happened, even though it was such a very sad time and difficult time. Exactly. And look, I know it's been such an important reflective time for so many people. The irony of my book coming out this year is that definitely not lost on me, you know, sort of like the the 11 o'clock news about, you know, pivoting and, and reinventing all parts of our lives, not intentionally, but some people really took advantage of it. But I think what's also really important is to also understand there is a fear for a lot of people in taking risks and change. And, you know, I'd love to ask you if there were moments in your life, sort of whether they were aha moments or reinventions that you invited into your life or that happened to you, if you will. And those risks or those moments of change, you know, I always see change as an adventure. It's like, oh, we're moving to another country. Fabulous. What time does the plane leave? Whereas other people would just like, you know, hide under the bed and go, no, I don't want to go. But I think it's really important. And I'd love to chat a bit about some of your experience with those moments and what you have learned or what you can share about how to look at risk and the opportunity that actually comes with that. So there are moments in your life where you kind of had this little catalyst nexus moment that you really yeah. have to kind of deal with that. There's, there's, I guess there's been a few. Um, and I think, first of all, it was always about like that happy piece that I had happiness that I spoke about, but it was also about um, kind of, there's a, there's a, there's a book and I'm just going to say the name of it, but it's a, it's called the gift of fear. And I read it a long time ago. It was written by a friend of mine named Gavin DeBecker. It was all about safety and security. Mm. But basically what he taught about, about people as humans, especially for women around domestic violence, things mm. like that. But what he was talking about was fear is a gift and you should utilize your intuition and your gut to recognize that and then make the changes you need to make. So it's obviously a different context in that sense. But I've always thought about it in the same way because- you still are using your instinct and your gut. And if you ignore it, then you do that kind of at your own peril. And that's really something that is, should be more talked about. And um, I think that uh, I, re- and I do, I recently interviewed a woman that one I'm introducing you to, Marissa Santosa from Own Your Authority, yeah. which was all about this idea of the, of the gutsy platform or the gut, gutsy program, which is something that I've just always done, which was, you know, I, I've taken risks some of them were small. Some of them I knew were big. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I've had any regrets, except for sometimes I think it would have been fun to do something that I chose something else from. But I don't feel like sad or, or angry or regretful in that way. Um, I, but I think even and and in the in the in this particular book, she talks about how if you take an action within 17 seconds of the idea that you have, which is a gutsy nudge, a gutsy mm. move calling somebody that would absolutely fundamentally change your career instead of putting it aside like oh he's probably they're not going to be busy they're not going to take my call like everything else if you just do it yeah that you begin to take those steps and you begin to uh see a real change in your career and that was 
for me, part of what it was, there were a lot of times where I was like, Love that. I'm just going to do this. Like, yeah, and I'm, me and too. I think, you know what I mean? And it's I think there was a moment, 100%. right? I mean, and there was a moment for me in doing the marketing side of what I do, the agency part of it, if you will, which I don't really think of as an agency, but the marketing agency part of it, where I realized that so many agencies are all about control, right? They were all about like, you can't tell them everything. They won't hire me anymore. And I think that, I think that mindset has changed. Yeah. Sure hope so. yeah. But at the time there was like, and we don't give them everything. And even the biggest uh, consulting agencies were like that. Like, yeah. We're going to give them the report, but we're not going to give them the detail of how we got there. Transparency right. has obviously changed tremendously right. in that sense. But so for me, it was always like, you know what? I have to be okay that by telling them, what my client, everything or whatever it is, I am not going to, um, you know, I'm not going to necessarily keep them any longer one way or the other, but I'm also going to find somebody else will call me or I'll find another client. And that moment was really important where it was like, it can't be that by my not sharing information and collaboration and synergistic ideas and stuff, that my fear is greater that they'll leave or that they won't rehire us. They won't understand as opposed to someone will probably call me. And as soon as I and say, can you do this yes. for me? And can I, yes. will you partner with me on this? And as soon as I let go of that and thought, just, I just have to believe that, yes. right? And then everything really changed in terms of that kind of anxiety. It like opened and, up and, a whole different level of relationship and connection, I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. The other thing that was the hardest thing for me sometimes is that I am very, you know, I do have a big network, but I never had my network for the purpose of monetizing it. Mm -hmm. So I did have a lot of stress when people would be like, I'm going to hire you, you're going to introduce all these people. And I'm like, hey, it's not what I do. If I love something, I'm, I'll do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I do it all day long, right? Yeah. Because it, it could be a person, an idea, whatever it is. But but this idea that people paid me for that made me feel very uncomfortable. Right. And, so and also another one of those somewhat moments. ingenuous when you call your friends in, in high places, if you will, you know, it's like, yeah, they're paying you to call me to ask for something or to do something as opposed to that genuine, like, you know, I, I personally in my agency, I, I only take on things that I can be passionate about, which I know is how you feel. And it does make it easier when you're going to call up someone and it's a Saturday and you're like, I've got to share this with you. This is so cool. You into it? Oh, yes, we keep going. No. We talk about the weather or whatever, right. or the kids or whatever. Right. But it's, exactly. it's so about understanding. It's it's the human connection. And I, I totally appreciate that. I mean, I think it's it's interesting because we have moved to a place. We have a mutual friend where, who's absolutely hardcore about it. No, 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 no total transparency. Yeah. You will pay me this much. I will make three introductions for you. It yeah. will be up to you to figure those out. And that, you know, and his credibility in this case, or his company's credibility, yeah. definitely ebbs and flows with his ability to be like, and I think these will be great introductions for the, right. say, bigger, bigger opportunity to meet the smaller opportunity, if you will. Or it's like, and, and I, I admire that. It's just not, me, yeah. right. Like, but I totally I it. admire it. I, I think it's yeah, I amazing that, that they've been able to, to do that. And I've just always believed that there's room for everybody to do what they do and to be special at it. And that's the other piece of this sort of walking away from instead of saying, oh, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that. We can do that. It's better to say, you know what? I can do that. Mm -hmm. But Kathy is brilliant at that. <laughs> and let's have the best because if we have the best and we can afford the best and all those issues. But I mean, right. if we choose to be open-minded and be honest about 
Kathy is so much better at that than somebody in my, then we're just going to have a greater success. Right. And hopefully you'll trust me or, tr- or trust us or refer us or think better of us than trying to right. do it and not doing it well. Right. And, and, that and was then also- we're like living in our truth personally and in our business. And, you know, just coming back to the notion of fear, I mean, to not be afraid to say no to business, to not be afraid to walk away from something, to not be afraid, as you said before, working on something and going, hey, you know what, this isn't working the way we both thought it would when we discussed this three months ago and we partnered and I'm a good enough partner to you to say, it's not going where we both hoped it would. So let's call a spade a spade and figure out how to either morph the context of the relationship or revisit what that looks like, or be okay with walking away from each other for now. And if something comes along and we can all figure out what to do with it, that's great. And I think that comes with maturity. I think it comes with the ability not to feel the fear of, oh my goodness, I won't have clients. Oh my goodness, they're going to think I failed. Oh my goodness. Like there are so many things that we have to understand how to reframe and understand that we are actually setting all of us up for greater success and greater definition of who we are as human beings right. when we're right. able to do that. I completely agree. But you just tap, you just some, an idea or something just popped into my head mm. that I think a lot of us struggle with that it was an, I'd love to talk about for a second, which yeah. is that in that process of saying, you know, are we good partners? Am I good for you? Are you good for me? It, when it when it's a specific task, okay, we have messaging, we need a sponsor, we like, or you know, can you help me launch my product, or can you think about opportunities for me, or whatever. Those are very kind of almost pretty specific relative to many other things that we do. Um, and you can say yes, let's try that for ninety days and let's figure that out. Right. But there's there's and I was thinking about this on a fear uh, on back to the fear point, which was there are so many situations though where. You don't really know, just like they say, you don't know somebody until you travel with them, what mm-hmm. is going to be like as a partnership. So you don't do, and, and I think women are better at this than they've ever been before, but they're not great at it, which is, and it, just, and it took me years of painful experience and I still fall back on the easy, the ease of like, but we're friends and it'll all be okay. And instead of actually putting discipline around, what would our deal look like? Like, what would our partnership look like? Yeah. So that, you know, and I, and I don't think that I do that enough. I think other people need to, or it doesn't mean that like we, and we don't necessarily know everything, but by putting it into a less more, you know, I'm afraid to talk about that because I'm not sure it's going to work yet, yeah. or I'm not feeling gutsy enough to be like, hey, what is it? What is our partnership? What's that, like? Right. <laughs> you know, I think it's just, it's an interesting point to sort of bring up and start to think about like, where does that fit? And right. how do you become well, more comfortable less, it's with It's almost that? less transactional. Exactly. Right? And it's, it's a more piece. strategic in who you are, who they are, how it fits into everybody's big picture. And I love that. I feel like I'm actually having a lot more of those conversations lately with people in yeah. business than I've ever had before. And when a client comes to you and says, you know, how's this going? And I'm going, well, how do you think it's going? Like, you know, let, let's have a conversation. I'm not in fear of saying, I don't know if it's working because if it's not working, you're going to let us go as an agency, you know, like I'm not in fear of that. There was a time in my life when I was, I had to pretend that, 
you know, 50 plates were spinning, every deal was like at the door and about to happen because if they didn't hear that, they might kind of be fearful of whether or not we're going to get the job done. And now I'm just like, let me tell you the God's honest truth. This is what brands right. are saying. This is what they do or don't want to do. And none of us like this, but this is where we're at. And I, I'm really good at saying it a lot faster now because I'm not in fear of losing the business. I'm more concerned about keeping the relationships that I have and doing the right thing by everybody at the end of the day. And I don't know if that comes with maturity or whether it's just where we're at in the world and the transparencies you spoke of earlier is so much more powerful and creating relationships and partnerships with your clients and the colleagues that you do these things with. And I think right. there's, there's something really fantastic about that. Yeah. And I think it's because in, and because we're friends, I, you know, I can say this to you, like, I know it's true, which is we enter these things in a spirit of partnership. Yeah. Right. So we are partnership driven people. We're always looking for how to skip sort of two people, two ideas, two companies, two brands, two whatever to synergize with each other and create a partnership that's beneficial for both of them. And that's something that we both love to do. And so I think it, 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 having, having that now, knowing that it's great to be able to share that with other, other people to say, you know, think about how you approach things from a spirit of, of, of partnership yeah. and when is the right time to try to figure out some of the, the details instead of feeling like, Ooh, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with that, you know, yeah. facing that comfort, feeling maybe more transactional than you normally are right. or being less transactional than you normally are. Yeah. I think um, directness is one of those things. I mean, if I had to redo my values, I'd be like, is directness a value? Because I really want to like get better <laughs> at that one. <laughs> I know I got I know I got resourcefulness and I got that one and not that trust. I got that one. But you know, anyway. I love that. But, That's great. Oh gosh, we could just do this for hours and hours. I'm so worried that we're we're running low on time. But I do want to ask you a couple of other fun questions. Um, and I do want to ask you. With all that you have done, there's so many things in your playground that you, you get to dabble and play in. Is there something that you've kind of got your eye on that's big picture, that's bucket list that you're starting to sort of look at, okay, over the next 10 years, this is a place I want to go. This is something that I've been really thinking about. Is this something that you can share? You may, you may have things that you're not ready to share, but is there anything that's kind of on that bucket list? Um, definitely. Um, and I think there's been a sense of prioritization and shift like we were talking about. Mm. And that brought me to many years ago, uh, my father had, he was 80, I think five before he was ever sick for a single moment. Um, and then he had a heart like a, um, oh my gosh, what were they called? The blocked arteries. Yeah. Open heart surgery, but yes. whatever it was called. Yeah. Then I, for, I forgot the name of the actual disease part of it. But anyway, that was the only thing ever was wrong with him. And so when he was recovering, he had he was desperate to go back to his famous delicatessen in Beverly Hills called Nate and Al's, mm, which was incredibly love. famous. I think it's still open this week. Yeah. I don't know. It keeps going back it and is, forth. It is at the moment. Last I okay. saw the other day. <laughs> okay. And, you know, my grandmother's lima bean soup was the lima bean soup on the recipe. Like it was a whole, like but my, for my dad and Larry King and Lou Wasserman and all these people in that generation, yeah, yeah. this was the place. Yeah. And my father had to go there with a walker, which was not something that he'd ever have to use. He, and it was traumatic. 
And mm-hmm. at that moment, I was, I, my heart was breaking for him. So I thought, I'm going to go and figure out if there's something better than a walker, right? With the tennis balls on it, yeah. the, oh, that yeah. kind of walker. Yep. And there really wasn't. And so, and everything was merchandised horribly. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if we could, you remember the early days of Brookstone before oh, it was the yeah. luggage airport store? And they would have like a nose hair clipper that was encased in a case that looked like it so was diamond encrusted, cool. you know, sleek and right. beautiful and explained what it was. And it was all made it all like, I got to have one of those, you know, it was right. like, and it was, you know, and I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could really change the conversation around aging in particular mm-hmm. um, and, and really thinking about products that were beautifully designed. So three times I wrote a business plan with different people. I put it back. I came back to it, whatever. Now I'm actually launching it. So this is many dozens of years, almost two, do- almost two decades later. Um, I'm launching this and I'm super proud of it. I mean, I'm super excited about it. I'm not proud of it because it's not out this yet. Is- super excited about it. Um, and I, I really feel, first of all, I think it's age appropriate, which I get a big kick out of, but, um, two, I feel like there's an opportunity to provide safety and prevention and vision and future thinking around this idea that we have. Yeah. So we're trying to launch it in, um, early July. And, uh, it's, I guess I would say it's been on my bucket list for a long time. Um, and so I feel regardless of what happens to it, I, for me, it was that I got it done. The accomplishment of really bringing something that I have thought about, dreamed about, talked about, planned for, written plans for, you know, to, to market, whatever happens, that's the thing. And I remember when I finished making the basketball diaries and my friends said to me, well, you don't understand. It's not about whether it's successful or not. The whole thing is this one thing. And I was like, what is that? And like, you got the movie made. Mm. And I was at first like, no, no, it's not about that at all. And then later <laughs> I looked back and I was like, oh yeah, it was about, I got the movie, I got, I got the right. movie made. And I feel that way a little bit about this. Well, right? I have to I'm tell you, to do Liz, this. I can't believe that we've not had a chance to talk about this. And we're definitely going to be doing a sidebar. But I went down the road on this idea myself about five or six years ago. And so we need to it. brainstorm about this. But because Definitely. I used to represent, we actually owned, not just represented, we owned a product called Shake Awake, which was a vibrating alarm clock for the deaf and hearing impaired. And this is about Uh, 20 years ago before they were like vibrating phones. And the only way that the deaf and hearing paired community could wake up was to have a vibrating mechanism attached to alarm clock that slipped under their mattress. So we came up with this cool, very high tech little product that I ended up selling to Sharper Image. And it went to people who had roommates and slept with other people in their rooms and spouses that wouldn't wake up the other um, person. Sundowner syndrome, which is a huge issue. So that got me thinking and very involved in that world and really understanding what the needs were, talking to the folks at AARP and all these other organizations. So we're going to have to have a chat about that. I'm super excited that you just shared that and I wish you the best of luck with that. And I bet a lot of people are going to hear this. And yeah, it is age appropriate for us now. We are AARP members and proud card carriers. I'm not a member. I need oh, to become one. I need to get your membership they benefits. They didn't send me I mean, the thing. I, they, I mean, I looked We're at it. We're going to make a phone call. Send me, yeah, exactly. But, 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 but the thing is, is, is just to say yeah. about that so that whoever's listening, yeah. there is no time at which the, the, you are too young 
to think about these things, whether it's for, yeah. your, for your grandparents, or for your parents, your lives, as you begin right. to think about it for yourself, as it is, it is a critical way of thinking to be able to think about yourself as a, as, as being a mobility first human yeah. being, because yeah. it will benefit you very much so in the long run. And there's yeah. tremendous science and data about that. Absolutely. So. Brilliant. And I'm so excited that you know, to talk to you more about that. Before we go, I have a super fun question for you. And, you know, having grown up where you did, how you did with the people around you, this is, you know, going to be a kind of fun one for you to answer. And because of what you do and the people that you know, but when you can have an amazing dinner party, which we all seem to be able to now invite back into our lives, um, three or four people, they could be dead or alive that you would love to have sitting around your dinner table, drinking good wine and breaking bread. Anybody that just comes to mind that you just would love to have that opportunity with. Um, uh, I would, I think I would, first of all, I, I was always obsessed with British history. Mm. So I read everything there was ever, and I was going to be an authority on British history. And people would say to me, well, what does that mean? I'd be like, I don't know, but I'm going to be one. I was you know, 13. <laughs> So I probably would love to meet somebody from the British history, yeah. maybe Queen Victoria. Uh, she was so forward thinking. Yeah. Um, I was madly in love with Clark Gable as my oh, dreamy too. actor. You know, he passed <laughs> away on my birthday. But when I moved to Beverly yeah, Hills, thanks. we moved into the house next door to his widow. And on I was on Sunset was the li- Yes, he was. The, I, lived, I lived literally at 902. Oh they God. were in the hey. corner house and I was in the house next door. So love of my life. My gosh, how did we you never too? know this? Okay, go on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We've never done this. This is great. We have not talked about that, nor have I talked about him in many years. Um, I think I would love to sit next to, you know, some of the change makers that I so admire. Mm. One of them is full circle because my mother was an activist uh, for yes. many things, but yes, I'm glad old you age rights, up. which has come full circle. Thanks. So Maggie Kuhn, who started the Grey Panthers, I would love to talk to her now, mm. as opposed to understanding who she was as a, as a little girl. Um, I would say many of the, fe- I don't even think I could think of a single woman for sure in terms of the thinking about feminism across the board, but of course, like somebody like Gloria Steinem. Yeah. Um, uh, the same thing with just other social change makers, so yeah. many of them. Well, and I just, I love that you're just touching on that because I just want to briefly acknowledge both your mom and all that she ever did and what she instilled in you and how you carry that torch and and the role that you play as being such an activist and so just involved in such a beacon of light to so many issues that so many people are dealing with. So I'm really glad that you kind of brought it back to that as well. And I would imagine some of the people at that table, yeah, would just be really precious. Yeah. Asking what a fun question. I know. I'm gonna start putting my list together. I Maybe know, I can right? do like a hologram, hololens, whatever, bring everybody back. <laughs> exactly. Let's do that. <laughs> I know the guys that can bring us the holograms, exactly. right? I was just gonna say, and I know you know them. So so look, I just love this conversation. And, I wouldn't want to leave you. out my husband though. I no, want I would well, want him course. at the table. <laughs> and, and me, I need to be there as and, well. But well, you're please. there, of course. Yeah. We'll curate a Jelly. great dinner together. Oh, definitely. <laughs> 
So Liz, I could just, you know, we could do this for hours and hours and we always will. Um, I thank you so much for being here on my show today, for sharing just a little piece of you. There is just so much more to unpack. And I just encourage anybody who wants to know or understand a little bit more about Liz Heller, please be sure to take a look. She's on LinkedIn. Um, The company that she works with is Membrane. What is that? Um, And it doesn't have a membrane, but... um, well, it's membranellc.com, but it doesn't have a website at the moment, but okay. what it has is signing up to our Magnificent Storm Report, which mm. is all about really fantastic music that's new and discovery. So sign and we also do them around like CES and other conferences and kind of bigger events and stuff. And so sign up for those if you want. They're fun. They're that's great. Fantastic. I'm proud of those. So we'll put all of that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to do that, that would be great. And I just want to thank everybody for being here, tuning in today. If you want more information about my book, Reinvent Your Life, what are you waiting for? Um, Or to watch any of the virtual chats that have taken place over the last year or tune into any of the other podcasts that we've done since January, please just go to the reinventionexchange.com and you will have a source there for everything and lots of blogs and other great links to other organizations and companies and people that can inspire you in different ways to reinvent any part of your life. If you want to know more about my agency, the Sharp Alliance, just go to sharpalliance.com. Thank you for being here. Have a beautiful rest of the day. Oh, well, thank you. Have a beautiful day, everybody, and happy reinventing. And thank you, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to The Power of Reinvention. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Wouldn't mind a five-star review. It would be greatly appreciated. Also, be sure to visit thereinventionexchange.com to share your reinvention stories, suggest a guest, join the newsletter mailing list, get access to my book, which is called Reinvent Your Life, What Are You Waiting For?, and discover fantastic bonus content with my blogs, and listen in to the Reinvention Virtual Chat series. Don't forget to join me next week for another episode. Please share with a friend and thank you for listening. Happy reinventing.